Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. Welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. Did somebody just grab you under the table? It's like the love. And to, av- <laughs> and to avoid lazy negativity, we decided to make this episode a drinking game. <laughs> oh, yeah. so anytime you hear anything negative at all, you're going to hear this sound. That sound means we need to take a drink. We hope you drink along with us. So, pour yourselves a glass, grab your 400 millimeter lens, and let's get ourselves on some watch lists. And maybe just swirl your brandy for an entire scene. <laughs> oh, too late. Should I get another one? Ooh. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we are talking today about Rear Window. Why are we talking about Rear Window? Because the random year generator pulled the year 1954. So we're going to give you some context of some other movies that were going on in the film year 1954, some other world events that were happening in 1954. And then our featured segment is going to be us talking about the film that we chose to discuss, which, of course, is Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. We're going to have some gripes. And maybe a couple uh, mini reviews for some new things that are out. And at the end of the episode, mm. we'll tell you what we've been watching in an episode called, or in a series called What You've Been Watching. Give you your recommendations for the week. John, you want to shout our sponsors out before we get into our episode? Yeah, sure. We have a couple sponsors. I think you've heard their names before. But just to remind you, Mr. Carlos Barozzo, who did he send you guys the beer, by the way? Not yet. Oh, I got to get it. I got to get, okay, okay. get it. I'll Carlos get it. I'll get it. Barozzo is the beer sponsor. You can find them at cbarozzo.beer. Check mm-hmm. the show notes for the spelling. He is on the Instagram making up some, uh, some, some fun beer shenanigans, showing you how to make stuff, telling you how beer is made, some beer history, all, all the things you would imagine. He's basically a beer som. I think he literally is whatever the beer version of that is now. I think he passed that like two years ago. Good for you, Carlos. We love you, buddy. And we also have an artist in residence who provides all the music on this episode and every single episode, the artist Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. You can find their music available on all the usual music platforms. Go there, stream, enjoy. All right. Hmm. Guys, uh, did anybody watch anything? Does anybody want to do any mini reviews to give the people some uh, some insight as to what's going on out there in the world? By the way, so many movies are dropping right now, it's getting wild. Yeah, like, it's I know. Like, it's, 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 it is. I have no idea. You guys could see, there's 20 different movies you could have seen this week. Yeah, it's like, we could promote shit now. No, sadly, I was working all week. I didn't get a chance to get to any of the things I wanted to see, so. Me too, dude. Jeff, did you see, I didn't see anything this past week, but I've been texted by multiple people about the new Godzilla movie, which I didn't even know was a yeah. thing. Yeah, same. Yeah, Everybody yeah keeps Godzilla talking about one. it. Yeah, the people are hailing it as the best film see... of the year. I, I know everybody's, I, I'm just hearing a lot about that one. And I'm, of course, I'm hearing a lot about Lanthimos's, what's the name of that one? Poor Things. Yeah, that's definitely high Poor on my things. list. Yeah, then, me too. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing a lot about the ones that we're supposed to be hearing. I've heard people say Maestro is fantastic. I don't know. I'm so excited. Best time I, of year. I'm excited I saw, to watch movies. I saw one. Which one? Well, I actually started May, December, and I just like, a friend asked to hang out. And I was like, ah, okay, cool. So like, I, I've only, I'm only 30 minutes into May, December, but I watched Saltburn. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Emerald Fennell's new movie. Emerald Fennell's follow-up to Promising Promising Young Emerald? Woman, for which he won an Oscar for um, best or- best original. Best, I think it was a best original screenplay. Um, so Aaron Sorkin was up there. That was the COVID. Um, you know, everything got pushed back a couple weeks. We talked about that oh, yeah. Um, yeah, on the yeah. on the podcast here. So I went in knowing that a lot of people are like either loving it or hating it. There's definitely a lot of polarity with this movie. There's a lot of people that are angry about wishing it was a certain Mm. way or different. Uh, I knew that there's some shock value. Um, Anybody who's been following this film, even, you know, from afar, I feel like there's like little ins. Like if you've seen the movie, you mentioned like, ooh, the bathtub um, and a couple other things. It starts out hot. There's these huge sweeping sequences with, with classical music. Um, but then all of a sudden, like the story itself is very grounded on, on Barry Keoghan's performance. And I think I had a comp, which I will, I will, feed into the minds of uh, the, the listeners if they will it's not a spoiler but I think like comps because a lot of people are like there's some Downton Abbey vibes there's like melancholia vibes there's um you know there's there's a lot of different oh, kind geez. of comps going on because well because he go, and, and call me by your name of course because Barry Kilgan's character goes to Jacob Lordy's like country estate because their family has titles so it's like it's basically like a Downton Abbey type house and they have servants and class system etc but it's just like a, a couple people and he's clearly Barry Kilgan's clearly obsessed with Jacob Lordy's character um, but there's, you know, so there's sort of like this teen, this well, young adult, I should say, because they're in college at Oxford, psychosexual, classist, kind of like, there's all these kind of tugs going on. And, but Barry Keoghan's, like anything that's around him, whether it's him in the frame or even just kind of following him around on these sweeping wonders that they have, he is amazing. 
I think we have to say like hmm. we, we've always known he's great of course all of us have known he's great but he's not like it's like I hear Travis Kelsey's name more than I hear Barry Keoghan's name so don't pretend like he's an A-lister yet even though like movie podcasts I'll know who he is so it's like I'm waiting for his star turn because that was so good for me there, the shock and awe I understand not working for people there's some very like disturbing things that apparently in theaters people are shouting about but me watching it at home it was just kind of like ugh you know so like that it's a yeah. little, gets a little squeamish and then there's they're clearly layering things on you know, like he becomes, so the comp is, is talented Mr. Ripley. I feel like if you have that in the back of your head that there's like ah. some talented Mr. Ripley stuff going on, then it's like, oh, okay, cool. So I can sit back. So even though some things, I can understand why some people are like, that doesn't work um, with whatever she's going for, or even if she's going for anything at all. Is it just these amazingly extravagant characters like Rosamund Pike's character and, you know, is getting a lot of praise, rightfully so, for just how outlandish she is. Um, but also so simple at the same time. So anyway, long story short is I really liked this movie, but it's definitely not it simple. It's not simple. It's not simple. It's not an easy watch per se. Okay, it so, sounds, so far you've referenced Downton Abbey, Melancholia, and um, Mr. And Mr. 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 Ripley. And Call Me By so, Your Name. Yeah, so, so pretty much book your fucking therapy after this movie. Uh, yeah, ding, 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 Dave. I think I did a pretty good mini review. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys know which one I'm you know which one I'm super excited about that I've only heard a couple people talking about but I'm obsessed with both these actors I don't know the director Andrew Haig very well all of us strangers with Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal you guys heard oh, about this one yeah I yeah. had a single thing I've about seen, that I, saw the trailer, I hadn't yeah. either and then I saw it looks beautiful I've, I've heard amazing things about it I think I think if you're really into just character acting pieces you're gonna I, I don't know it just looks fucking gorgeous and simple and I'm really excited to see it. This is the best time of year. I am so excited to just fucking watch movies. And I know. Crown part two comes out in 16th, six days from now. I think I so, think. yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man, there's so much. Good I definitely want to see poor things. And they just yeah. dropped the, the miniseries trailer for that Jason Isaacs thing about Cary Grant. And he's playing like older Cary Grant. It's like everything looks so fucking good that's coming out right now. Whoa. Oh, yeah. that's good yeah. casting. Trailer just came out. I know. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, didn't re- I didn't recognize yeah, him. It was good. awesome. Um, that's good. Poor Things is on my list. And then, uh, there's just, anyway, there's so many good things. I can't wait. Ferrari, I'm going to see soon. Guys, oh. I'm seeing I'm seeing Napoleon tomorrow night. All right. I got it I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, it's finally happening. I'm excited. Anyway, I know that's uh, a hot take, maybe. I think some people are still conflicted about it. But I'm excited to understand why people are conflicted about it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Years <laughs> in the making. All right, Dave, you have any gripes? you have anything you want to get off your chest? Any news? Not, anything? No, not this week. Nope. Nothing new. Huh. All right. Jeffrey. Yeah. I think you've got a gripe. All right, I have a gripe. I have a gripe. Here we go. Set the one minute gripe timer. Okay, I, I don't know for sure. I want to say this for legal purposes. I don't know for sure. But I, I, I want to tease a conspiracy theory that I think I would love some sleuths to get into, okay? <laughs> what the hell? I get, I get a minute. <laughs> I believe the satellite navigation apps, Waze and or Google Maps or GPS, I have a conspiracy theory that they are in cahoots with our cities and major cities to encourage drivers to go to the places where there are more tolls. I think they're trying to squeeze us. And this is my this is my example. <laughs> I had to be at my job at noon and I need to drive from Manhattan to Long Island. So I get in the car and it said it was going to be $11.20 worth of tolls, which is fine for me because I get them reimbursed. And it was going to be 55 minutes, 55 minutes, and I was going to get there at 1145. Well, the time's never right. I, I, of course, have alerts only on because I can't fucking stand them shutting my music off and just fucking talking to me the whole time. So I went the way I usually went. I saved five minutes. It immediately recalibrated, gave me five minutes back, and it was cheaper. It was $6.95. So how is it that as soon as I made a wrong term, they knew I was going on a faster route that was cheaper? How did that happen? I don't know, guys. I, I just think- Did you think- know RFK? Is this RFK to BQE? Well, so when you go- I didn't go RFK. Did I go RFK? You went over um, your time. I didn't go. I didn't go. No. I, so okay. I went up the West Side Highway, and then when you go by where the GWB is, um, you can either go just straight up to 95, or you go this other route, like sort of through the Bronx to to Long Island. Um, that, and that's the way that I usually go, as opposed to just you know following the, the traffic. I mean, it, it, it adds 95. a fair bit to your to your drive time, but you know, there's literally a function that says avoid tolls. No, but I can't do that though, because then the only, because, oh, and here's, I'm going to keep going with my fucking gripe. So the only free from Manhattan to get out of the city, there's one bridge that's free and that is the 59th street bridge. And starting in two weeks, 
they're going to tax any single person entering the city south of, guess what, 60th Street. What's mm-hmm. south of 60th Street? 59th Street. They're going to charge a $15 t- toll because they don't want any traffic what? in Midtown. Have you not heard about this? Congestion it's like going tax. Up around the yeah. city. No. The congestion tax. And everybody's like freaking out because it's $15. And it's almost like, okay, well, we can avoid Times Square. But anybody entering Manhattan under 59th Street, $15. So the bridge is going to go from free to $59 if you enter once, during Once again, the mayor, of, the mayor of New York City has basically fixed the problem by making it go somewhere else. Is that crazy? Do you guys yeah. know how they're gonna actually charge people? Is just license plate pictures kind of thing? Like actually, how is that possibly gonna? Be? I actually have no idea. Yeah, they're probably wow. gonna set up toll Holy gates like normal. Shit. Yeah. That this really is... would have put a. Uh, that really would have cracked the pace of Great Gatsby, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming across the bridge and just having to stop every time. That bridge is gonna get backed up as a motherfucker. I mean, every but the, every everywhere is gonna be backed up. It's. I mean, yeah. people still are gonna. I do drive love the idea of no traffic in Midtown. That is a. Fucking yes. Beautiful. Isn't that cool? <laughs> the, the idea of it just turning into a pedestrian, people walking around a lot. But all I'm gonna say yeah. is, if you're going on a Tinder date, you're gonna have to take the subway home. You know, because otherwise, your cat, your Uber just got more expensive. <laughs> Dave wanted to buzz me. He just looked down so bad. He was looking. He's like, no, I guess that's he did. it. He was thinking about it. No, he wanted to. No, I will say it flex prices. So at I, night, I can it's do it without looking down. Mm. It's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, so that's my gripe. That is my mini review. You guys ready to start our segment? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, 1954. Let's start with the film year, and then we'll get to some world events. Film year, 1954. So, again, the numbers pre-1977. Yeah, there were a couple big things going on around 1975 to 1977. I think a People just went off outside really John's good windows. <laughs> I've heard it. <laughs> so sensitive. It's just it got tuned out on Zoom. I can't wait to hear it on the replay. Um, so the numbers are all fucked. But what do you guys think? Was the highest grossing film that came out in 1954. Oh, dude. We went through the list last week of movies that came out. What do you think the highest grossing one was? Mm. Waterfront? It really speaks to... Yeah, guess, Dave. I think it's Waterfront. Did you guess? You think it's Waterfront? Yeah. I think it's White Christmas. Dave. Mm. Ah. <laughs> We've done this every Is single white- time. And when has a movie like On the Waterfront been the number one movie... Uh, yeah, it was definitely um, it was definitely White Christmas for White sure. Christmas, but I was about to say, but I was about to say, it speaks to because I could have seen like Seven Brides or so. You know, musicals always do well, especially back then. Sure. But it speaks to um, Twenty Thousand Leagues came out. There were some like worldwide distribution things because Godzilla also came. The first one came out that year, and mm. obviously that ended up being like an enormously classic, like completely introduced a whole new genre of movies to the world kind of movie but i bet it didn't get like great distribution over here in, in 1954 they, no they they edited the film dude there's an american version and a japanese version but, but i wonder when the 1950 i wonder when this the like do you think the one that we're looking at on IMDb right now was the same year as the original japanese version you know what i'm saying yeah i, I, I like, think is this they, the american version that came out in 1954 pretty sure yeah okay 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 cool I, way, we got I believe so too. And I, yeah, they didn't get this full the, the Japanese version for like twenty years or something, I think. Yeah. And even on the okay, okay. even on the, the, the website, the numbers that we used um over the summer to for our mm-hmm. um our summer blockbuster face off, they their numbers are different. Apparently sixty six million tickets were sold for White Christmas. Um but also, do you know what the number six movie of the year was in 1954? Well, I'll tell you. It was 1939's Gone with the Wind. You know? So it's like, apparently... Oh, my God. But who knows? You know, like, I feel like these numbers are just so unreliable. I mean, maybe 66 million people really did see White Christmas the year it came out. Apparently two decades before the first ever blockbuster. Well, but yeah. whatever. I don't know. I don't know. The, I don't know the numbers. Also, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Demetrius and the can Gladiators guys, was really big this can year. Can you guys so. imagine... How cool would it be to like movies used to run sometimes for like years? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. could you imagine if we were like, do you guys want to go see Maverick again? <laughs> you know, we, just, we could like just go to the movie theater if we wanted to go yeah. see it again. It would still be there. I feel like We're Alamo totally or somewhere sure. it's still on somewhere. These some movie theaters like Alamo should just do that. Just be like, here are some fucking awesome movies. I'm just gonna keep them running. Well, um, Die Hard's <laughs> back in cinemas right now. Well, I mean, holidays, that's not My favorite sense. Christmas movie. <laughs> Which is really yeah. funny because there's so many movies coming out right now. Why is Die Hard taking that screen? Okay, The Kane Mutiny also made a lot of money. The Glenn Miller story mm-hmm. was a universal picture. The Country Girl 
which we'll talk oh, about when it comes to the Oscars. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a Paramount release that was number five, according to Wikipedia. The High and the Mighty hmm. and A Star is Born. That is the OG Judy Garland, A Star is Born. Seven Brides, John, was in that top ten. Rear Window comes in at number eight. Magnificent Obsession and There's No Business Like Show Business came in at number ten. Other big movies that came out this year, you mentioned some of them. You got your Godzilla. You got your... Um, Brigadoon? You got your Brigadoon. You've got Three Coins in the Fountain, which won the an Oscar for Best Song for Three Coins in the Fountain. Johnny Guitar, uh, The Wild One with Brando, we were also going to talk about. Um, them, Dilem for Murder, Creature mm. from the Black Lagoon, Barefoot Contessa, S- way before. Sabrina? Ina Garden. How did Sabrina do? Sabrina was in there. I guess not in the top 10, but it did pretty well in the Oscars. Um, so really quick. Dilem. Dilem for Murder. Stuff. Yeah, that all, like, same year, same year. Um, and then we're going to talk about some awards here. You've got um, On the Waterfront won eight Oscars, including Best Picture, Director, Brando won, God Carl damn. Madden won too. Um, but yes, of course, we are going to be talking about the wonderful Grace Kelly in wow. here, who very famously retired from acting a year after this movie so that she could be the Princess of Monaco at the age of 26. <laughs> yeah. So here she is in this movie at 25. Uh, and she, there were no yeah. acting noms for this, actually very few noms. This wasn't even nominated for like sound. <laughs> production design nope no nomination for it for um for rear window it got cinematography it got art design it got director uh didn't even get fucking wow. editing right isn't that crazy anyway and then it got an art writing writing nomination um but yes of course grace kelly would win best actress for the country girl which also came out this year and also won a bunch of oscars and um anything else about this year Let's and see. During her acceptance speech, Hitchcock walked up on stage and slapped her. Uh, I don't remember the slap this year, uh, Dave. <laughs> I wonder if Paramount, do you think Paramount also released The Country Girl? Because I could see them thinking, we don't want to split our votes. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, for sure. It is Paramount. They're like, let's, this is they the thrown her, Well, they would have thrown her in yeah. supporting, but I feel like that was also a time where it was like beneath an actor to be in a supporting category, unless it was deliberate, if that makes sense. So it's very yeah, possible they like, didn't to... want to consider her a supporting actress, even though, you know, they might have been pushing yeah. for the other actress in this. Um, yeah. These couple days, other things like, that... do you want a statue or not? You're a supporting actor. <laughs> well, I think, this is, I think this is important. So there were a couple other things going on in the world. This is actually when America first started giving our support to South Vietnam. That's right. 1954 was when yeah. Eisenhower decided, let's get into Vietnam. The first Burger King opened. Nasser seizes power in Egypt. The Church of Scientology is founded. That's fucked up. NASA seized power in Egypt? Uh, Nasser, not NASA. (laughs) Not our fucking space. (laughs) Um, Ellis Island closes as a point of immigration. Brown v. Board of Education stating that segregation of public schools is unconstitutional with a unanimous vote this year. Senator Joseph McCartney is censored. Censured. Sorry. Mm. Censured. Two different um, things. Kind of bringing an end to his witch hunt, even though he did a second round of interviews in 1954, so that's fucked up. The first ever coast-to-coast live television broadcast on NBC, the Tournament of the Roses. But here's what's important. Under God was added to the Pledge of Allegiance. No, I'm kidding. What's important is Swanson introduces the first ever TV dinner. No, 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 that's not important either. Um, oh, oh, this is what I was gonna say. Um, communism still sucks, as you could tell from Vietnam and McCarthy stuff. Oh my God, that's so funny. Swanson introduces the first TV dinner. <laughs> and America's race to obesity began. Yeah. Well, the country girl was an Odette's play. The world over. Well, the, co- the country girl was an Odette's play, and Odette's did go to the house. Uh, the country, yeah. The country girl. Cool. Um, and then um, he went to the House Un Americans Committee, and he technically only um, gave names that had already been confirmed. But it was just like awkward, if that makes sense, because he still named names, even though he didn't add, add new names. So he had like a little bit of street cred, but he did name names. So anyway, it was just a very strange situation. So we actually had a co-writer, which was George Seaton on this, uh, on The Country Girl. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird fucked up time where they're still dealing with people with like basically needing pen names or needing other people to help them finish their scripts because of communism. So I think that's important to note, 1954. Damn. Damn. Mm. So House of Un-American activities was really in the swing of things at this point this is like in the height of it i think this is so there was a second wave so this is where it was supposed to be ending but then we go into vietnam so anyway it's like it wasn't ending even though mccarthy i think they're blaming mccartney but still kind of keeping on his 
McCarthy. Um, McCarthy. What Damn it, Paul. I say McCarthy. Like, no, you said McCarthy. You said McCarthy. <laughs> McCarthy. <laughs> it's just a boy. He didn't know what he was doing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Live and let die. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. I'm ready to finally set up rear window and then kick it over to you, knuckleheads. John, you got a drink ticket up. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I think you guys know the pitch. Alfred Hitchcock, right, written by John Michael Hayes and Cornell Woolrich. Could be Woolrich. Those CHs are tricky. Starring James Stewart, Grace Kelly, Wendell Corey, Thelma Ritter, who is awesome, by the way, and Raymond Burr as Lars Thorwald. And here's the pitch, and then I'm going to send it over to you. What do you think? What you feel in this rewatch of Rear Window, which is streaming on the Criterion channel, or you can rent that shit. <clears throat> a photographer in a wheelchair spies on his neighbors from his Greenwich Village courtyard apartment window and becomes convinced one of them has committed murder despite the skepticism of the, his fashion model girlfriend. What do you guys think? What do you guys feel? It has a 100 Metascore. So Not, good. 100 meta score. Yeah, 100. Damn. God almighty. <laughs> That's good. I think it's also rated the highest of all his movies. I think he's got a solid 8.5 user rating on IMDb. I think the others are 8.43 and 2, like North by Northwest, Vertigo, mm -hmm. like the other yeah. big psycho, the big classics. I feel like I feel like the, the drag it was dragged down to 8.5 out of spite. Yeah, some assholes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is also yeah, remade into think, a movie man? with Christopher Reeves after his accident. Yeah. There's a there's oh, a couple. We'll talk about that later. Um, okay. Yeah. Dave, what do you uh, think? What do you feel? This is this was not my first time watching this, but um, yeah. it was fun. We we made a night of it. We rented the movie and we sat there, uh, me and my wife, and watched it. And we laughed and we had my fun. Wife. And it was it was just it's a good time. This movie's a good time. It, like it, Hitchcock's a cheeky bugger. There's there's some subtle like commentary and shit <laughs> hidden in there bugger. as well. Which just makes this fun to watch and kind of timeless to watch because all of it's still relevant. Right. Like right. humanity notoriously doesn't fix itself. So everything that was relevant then is still pretty much still relevant now. Um, totally. So it's it's definitely a fun watch. It, it's not like it doesn't suffer from aged dialogue. It doesn't suffer from aged like shots or, you know, it's you don't get the feeling you're watching an old movie. Um, and the production work is top notch. Yeah. So, yeah. I I, yeah. I really enjoyed this. I like to put its uh, IMDb rating up to eight point six. Wow, glowing, nice. glowing endorsement. Yeah, John. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think this is, uh, and I'm sure we'll we'll kind of break these things down. When we start chatting, but just from the premise, you know that the production design is going to be a huge piece of it. And of course, all his movies, he started in production design, so you know the man thinks about that in all of the movies, but. I think the nature of this film, I think the reason this one stands above the others for me is my favorite Hitchcock film is because, because of the physical limitation of your protagonist and this almost like single location vibe, yeah. the two most important elements in the movie are the world outside his window that is a single world. Like he's kind of just, you know, there's different characters in that world and these different apartments that he's watching but it kind of forces you into a subjective experience of his, where I feel like a lot of times Hitchcock very successfully ends up taking you through like these suspenseful, you know, very expressionistic like plots that a lot of his characters are in and these kind of thrillery suspense things that, that are, he's so famous for. This one almost feels like a, a character piece that Hitchcock just, you know, like stumbled into. There's still awesome camera moves and there's still, you know, really great, visual you know filmmaking techniques it's you i feel it feels like a hitchcock film but unlike a lot of his other movies this one feels the closest to a character study i think i think it says something that the murder doesn't occur until like the murder it, it, you know you, you're not even sure it's a murder yet uh that it doesn't really occur until about 40 minutes in it mostly mm. up until that point is developing his character his backstory his relationship with grace kelly I was very aware of that when I was watching and, it this and, time. The inciting and incident. You a voyeur. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The inciting incident is not the murder. The inciting incident is him choosing, telling. There are two scenes, and we could maybe disagree about where it actually is, but is it when his nurse comes in and you finally realize that he doesn't want to get married to this woman? Or is it when Grace Kelly appears and you realize? 
the relationship is actually what incites him, you know, more than the actual murder. I mean, there's, I don't know. I feel like there's probably different ways to look at that, but that was, uh, I was very aware of that this time. You think you're going to see the murder pretty soon, and then all that stuff is going to be in the background. But I thought it was so, I thought it was so effective and so beautiful that I actually, you end up caring more about what's happening in his apartment than outside. And I think that's the genius of this movie. The relationships and the things and the way they're talking to each other in their in his apartment is, his the, is the best part about it. His nurse is a fucking she legend. She was great. <laughs> she was great. And Grace Kelly is perfection in this. She's, she's so we'll talk about her, of course. Jimmy Stewart doesn't let you down. You believe exactly who he is. That fucking move around the room, that you know, a Zemeckis kind of style opening, just showing you all these pictures that he's taken. You get, you just know who he is. And anyone who's lived in New York. This does exist in New York, like yeah. this kind of mm-hmm. idea of the voyeurism that is totally accepted. Like somebody who doesn't live in New York might be like, why don't these people lower their windows? It's just, you just get used to it. Just being seen and seeing other people. You're all just sharing such a small space. It's fucking brilliant. What do you think, Jeff? Being heard. Yeah, I mean, of course it's brilliant. I actually, in college, I read the short story. <laughs> and I still have it and I really wanted to rewatch it. I read, we read the short story and then watched the movie. I did a literary film adaptation class, which is great. Um, and I remember, and I think it was actually, it, the original name was called like, it must be murder, or it ought to be murder or something like it had a very, you know, sh- it had one of those names that was like, oh, you know, kind of like connotation. So I really love the idea of rear window. It sounds so dramatic, but it's just fucking window that faces to the rear, but it, it just feels dark and ominous. And it's such a good title. Honestly, I think the writing is the best part of this movie, you know, and, and mm. I credit the director because obviously it's a visual story, those sweeping opening shots with all of the characters. It's just, it's so enticing. You just fall in, fall in love with all these characters. Like, I don't know if it's realistic for people to put a mattress on the fire escape, escape and sleep in, but I'm sure it happens. Oh, hell <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that ballet dancer yeah. just wearing nothing, dancing around. I mean, Hell yeah, like that, I'm sure that definitely happens. Uh, and of course, they they put a I lot of attention on it. I was doing that this morning. <laughs> and they did a good job of like having James Stewart, like obviously watch it because it's interesting, but she's also the room next door to where it happens. So there's a couple good scenes with that. Um, but the writing, I mean, that Grace Kelly scene is a long scene. You know, I don't, you just don't get scenes like that anymore, which I guess is yeah. a running theme for me. Is like, they don't do this like this anymore. Mm. But it's not just like the, the look of the film and the colors and just the shadows and all that kind of brilliant stuff they do. It's that how do you really have these 15 minute scenes scenes where you can swipe and swipe back in and you're in the same place, but just like a little bit farther and going about. I just I don't know. It was so enticing. Every single scene with his with the lady that comes in to help him. It's just it's like I, I just I think that and there's not a single line wasted where it's it's heightened. It's elevated language, but it also just seems so conversational so that it's not just like a bunch of people talking about nothing. I just think it's it's so brilliant. I just I think do you, agree, do you agree with me, though, that it's like. It's almost like, I'm not saying it's like literally in the background, but it's almost like the murder is a catalyst for their love story. Like the opening thesis is that this woman is too perfect and she'll never be able to actually live with me. Like my life and her life do not jive. Right. And it was almost link latery the way they would discuss their inadequacies. Mm-hmm. I loved that argument when she's on the chase and he's just he had, we kind of cut into the scene kind of late and they're t- he's clearly been talking to her about how come on you know you don't you got to live out of a single suitcase you eat food that you don't even want to look at the animal that it was that was killed to make the food and and the way they're just kind of discussing you know their inadequacies and their possible imperfections and incompatibilities i, I thought that was just so yeah. I loved how pedestrian that was. Well, I loved well, how, all the while how d- domestic it was. The mystery that's springing up is giving them the one thing they actually have in common. That which, and I, I don't want to jump to it too soon, but when she comes back in after, it's not after the shovel moment. It's before that when she comes in before they, uh, her and the nurse decide to go um, to go dig up something, and she's coming in hot because she has an opinion on something, and it cuts to that close up of James Stewart, and you he finally sees that like maybe we could maybe this could work. Mm. like she's she's in it with me i mean it's just i don't know this is a relationship movie and i don't i don't think i thought of that when i was younger and i watched it for the first couple of times but it was very very much that for me this time i don't know it's it's funny that you, got about, time uh, you guys watched this? it's funny uh, high school um i think so yeah. i was in college it's, yeah it's funny that uh like you mentioned character study because like all of all of the surrounding apartments are different aspects of life 
So yes. like everyone is experiencing their own, their own little bubble of life, and you can see them, and they're still happening in the background of scenes as well. There's a, a famous story that um, he actually was in the main apartment directing them over a microphone, and they all wore flesh-colored earpieces. So he's literally directing the action mm. in each apartment in the background as it's happening. That's cool. Stuff like that. There's cool. a, yeah, there's a, a funny story um, with the two with the mattress when it starts raining. Um, he actually gave them two separate sets of directions, told one to pull it one way and one to put it through the other window, like one to put it through one window and they told the, the other guy to put it through the, the other window. So that whole thing was them fucking about trying to figure out what the hell he actually wanted and that guy wasn't supposed to fall through the window. He accidentally uh, fell through a window? Yes. Well, he fell through the open window, well, yes. Into, yeah, inside. Yeah. Fell through yeah. The yeah. First, yeah. And that was, that was it. There was no other take. Done. I mean, it's I, I, it but looked it's, honestly perfect. I actually thought like... did did they choreograph it that she got out of the way or something on the inside while they're putting yeah. that mattress in? No, it was, it so was funny. But that, yeah, that's the thing. Like every little piece, like, you know, the party guests in the, the musician's apartment, all that sort of stuff was all being directed over earpiece. That's cool. Um, well, you got to wonder how they did that, you know, and was all this, all the sound must've been put in after, right? Like, Obviously, there were some lines where that, people didn't move their mouth. So there's always going to be stuff in the, the fall. There's going to be stuff where you see the seams a little bit. But I mean, it, yeah, it was just so well done. I just think it's such a good story. It's just such a good story. But you're right, John. I guess the story that that really popped this time was definitely with Grace Kelly, but also with this caretaker. So those those relationships in the apartment. And I actually love the, the, the sort of early thesis, too, for the, one of the supporting characters, which is like everybody, you know, what, what people ought to do is get out of their house and look in as opposed to stay oh, yeah. in their house looking out. I, I don't know. I just... I, I felt I, I didn't think about the fact that the whole thing was shot from this apartment out. I didn't think about the fact that he looked creepy as fuck, even though they let you on early. He looks like a peeping Tom, which is also in the short story. This whole idea of like, I'm not a peeping Tom, I swear. Yeah. Um, and not being seen, even though he's obviously very well lit to us. Um, it, 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 yeah, it didn't, it just didn't, not inconsequential, but it didn't seem as consequential. Like, oh, is he going to be seen? You know, those well, actually, that, that simple things. device is one of the best tension builders in the story because you're literally waiting for someone to make direct eye contact with him when he's looking. I'm waiting for like someone to look waiting, You're waiting so for much. someone to notice and waiting and waiting. And it's like, is it now? Is it now? And it builds. So when, it, like, when someone finally does notice, it's a moment. It affects you more because you've been waiting for yeah. it for an hour. I was waiting for like a, the conversation where they basically start talking. Like, I know, I know, you know, I know you're watching. Like, <laughs> I, I was waiting for something like that. <laughs> you know yeah, that I know yeah. that you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, friends. I also really like that. Uh, how to say it? The the world of that that block. That it, what do you call this? Like, I've never actually like found a good name for it. But like, it's all like the backyard kind of spaces, these shared communal spaces behind apartment buildings inside an interior block. It's called a murder like scene. Courtyard in yeah. the area. No, I, sure. <laughs> um, I love that there was a reality of the the all these neighbors affecting each other too. Mm. So it wasn't just an him watching them and then him being affected by these people. They all either literally interacted directly or indirectly or sometimes uh, you know, a really obvious example that I thought was earned and really lovely. Uh, Mrs. Lonely Hearts on the first floor, who's this very sad woman who clearly wants to be in a relationship and kind of pantomimes having someone over for dinner at the beginning. She call, She's called Mrs. Lonely Hearts. And at the end, toward the end of the movie, you think she's going to kill herself because she has this terrible, like, sexual, you know, assault interaction with the man she brings home. And this is, this is a side little uh, side story. It's just yeah. a tiny little thing we're watching. And the thing that saves her life is a song that the musician has been working on. It's just so beautiful that it kind of distracts her and she kind of gets caught up in it. And there's this lovely little payoff at the end where you don't know what they're saying, but she's kind of up in his apartment and he says, I hope it's going to be a hit. And she just like sits there and listens to it. They, like, set, they set that up all so well as wonderful well. Wonderful ways. Because yeah. like earlier on with the musician, when he's having, he's got like 20 people in his one bedroom, like one room apartment all around a piano but he's standing separately looking out the window completely alone. So they, 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 oh, set, yeah, they set that stuff dude. up as well. Nice. Um, and then, of course, that brings us round to, let's talk about sound for a minute. Because mm. fucking oh, hell. I don't know, like, the Oscars yeah. didn't think they, they did a good job with sound. But, yeah, well, the Oscars are fucking wrong, man. They, uh, <laughs> they literally, yeah. from the opening, opening, from the moment the opening credits finished, that's the last 
like non-ambient sound you hear in the film until the end. All of Franz yeah. Waxman's, you know, this is one of the greatest composers of classic cinema of all time. And yeah, continue. Yeah, it's it's literally every, the only sound you hear is from the environment. It's from the apartments. It's from the street. It's like just general city noise sometimes. But specifically when stuff's going on in the apartments, that's that's your soundtrack. That's what you hear. You hear what he hears. And it, it's such a such a minimalist thing and it just makes it really really good to pull you in to his environment when he's when he's looking yeah. and I, I wish they had the technology at the time to do it in like surround or something because that would just would have been the icing on the fucking cake but they did it so well with the mono limitation and don't had. you think it i mean you, you could not be more right and uh all the music you hear comes from a single pianist yeah and you know the guy we've been talking about and it's all waxman's composition to the movie so like the idea i, I was fascinated by the idea of him like composing through diegetic sound yeah like that's interesting yeah. that's really cool obviously the optic we've already sort of touched on it but like these little conversations that are isolated the timing and staging and choreography of actors alive in their apartments like a lot of these things sound obvious that must have been really really difficult to design and construct mm. to make it feel believable because a lot of it was done in panning camera so you needed to see these things happen in the sweep, like, and they couldn't see each other. So like him direct, I guess, directing them yeah, silently, like piece, through yeah. microphones or whatever. Yeah. That's super effective. Yeah. Um, like I've designed one of those for a play before and not kidding. They're fun to do like that whole soundtrack. I did one for an Australian play called the club and it has, uh, it was entirely ambient. So like basically there was a pub below this thing. There was a meeting about a sports club and uh, everything that happened downstairs, there were little storylines that filtered through the audio and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Like, so I'm sitting there just appreciating this at that level. And it just, he nailed it. Fucking nailed it. He fucking nailed it, dude. And it made me very aware, which will bring us around to back into his apartment, like the intimacy of whatever. Him and his uh, nurse, him and Grace Kelly, there was almost this like weird meta thing that I think you're aware of when you're watching this movie throughout that like, surely they see him too, you know, like there's yeah. the, and we're watching him like this, yeah. this meta intimacy that we have access to seeing him kiss or have like, you know, whatever conversations get rubbed down, you know, by this woman who comes into his house once a day and takes yeah. his shirt off and rubs no him mosquitoes down. either. Just leave those windows wide open. There's no mosquitoes guys. How fucking cool and effective is Grace Kelly's intro shot? Oh, dude. The close-up coming out coming out of focus into focus out of darkness into light right in his face. Like, oh my god. Well then it's he's the focus pull fucked up. <laughs> oh Dave, you, you know. So he was too busy up. watching her. Yeah. He was like, yeah. oh my god. Like, Holy <laughs> shit. No, it was probably back in the day where the, the cinematographer's doing fucking everything. It's like you push the camera. Yeah, I'm gonna do this for, as for well. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they, so well, they, they cool, set it up though. later, like, oh, the hallucinations will stop. So they kind of set it up like it might be, you know, an image or something in his head. Um, not the, not the care. What, what, what is her? Is she's a friend? Who is the caretaker? Can somebody? Did I miss that early on? She's the insurance. She's insurance nurse. She yeah. was assigned by the insurance company to. Oh, but there's and, like, so much more. There's so much more than that. Oh, but anyway, but the Grace <laughs> Kelly stuff because it, it was at night. The whole scene was at night. She and makes four references to it. You shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> how good is grace kelly in this movie though yeah like, stunning there's a, they do it there's they, a couple of times did, um, there's a couple of times where her reactions are so natural that i wonder was that improvised that and like I don't, it's all of it like there is also an elephant in the room yes james stewart is is for sure you know like 20 years older than her but the, from the range of her just bantering with him, flirtation, maturely discussing in, um, maybe incompatibilities to their kissing scenes, those close-up, oh, those yeah. twos where she's just laying with him, kissing him and talking to him. Like every breath that happened in that apartment, I believed that they had that relationship. Yeah. Which yeah. is a tough sell. Like this rich Park Avenue girl that is just really, really in love with this guy who lives in like a studio apartment. I, I don't know. It just seemed kind of... There, there, there's some order. There's some real class. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. There are questions like, how did they meet? How did that guy get that piano in there? 
Like there's there's a ton of these questions. Oh, Dave, they, they Dave, they use cranes to get those expensive panels in there, or they just bring them in piece oh, by yeah. piece. How is that? Forever. How is that guy in a one room apartment affording a fucking crane to get a piano in that room? Good question. That's how they do it, baby. <laughs> Good question. Back in the day, you could get work done cheap. Yeah, a lot of people need jobs. Work. Um, yeah, non-union work. That's probably right. Um, and if that piano fell on that person, um, they were evaporated from the, the world, and nobody. No, they just popped up through the piano with like piano keys for teeth. No, it's not Looney Tunes, <laughs> guys. <laughs> but all I'm saying is that there's a maturity too to Grace Kelly's performance, even though she's like 24, 25. Went through the mm. studio system, of course. Had been in a bunch Real. of movies, of course. But the way that they're talking about love, when he's saying he doesn't want to marry her, and she walks away, and and she takes on the melancholy of it, but is kind of playing at it too in a way that's like playful. I don't know. It's because it's obviously like there's a sadness to it. That's why I was like, is this a hallucination? You know, I, well, I was I got got by that line. That's it the was thing. So she's, romantic. She's, it was yeah. so wonderful, even though he was essentially saying we can't be together. She's she's not. That's the thing. She's not a one dimensional character. There's a little. There's a little like this personality under there, which you know, it's not just I'm going to be dramatic and leave, or I'm the love interest and I just. Well, do when this some one things thing. are really simple she, like that, she had you know? a, that whole character had a complete mind of her own, which you don't often see in fifties movies. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I just I just couldn't believe how. I couldn't believe how elevated her performance was, considering yeah. how simple this stuff was that they were talking about. And lots of, you know, there's also the, within their relationship, the deconstruction of relationships and the psychology. And like, you know, this is in the time when like Freud and therapy was kind of on the rise. There were just so much, there was so much good commentary on it. Yeah. How about Stella's line, the nurse's line? intelligence nothing has caused the human race so much trouble as intelligence <laughs> so, and you know you know there's that, some laugh out loud lines in this you know what that reminds me of is conscience thus has made cowards of us all get your shakespeare yeah. references yeah. up people hell yeah i love that the, i, I love the too. nurse the nurse is chastising yeah. him for being a peeping tom but having a look herself oh of course it's like that they get they've normalized this behavior in like She's the first so five minutes wives don't nag anymore they discuss it's so good there's so many good yeah. lines. When two people love each other, they come together. Wham! Like two taxis on Broadway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, She'll just, wind up fat, I mean, alcoholic, it's, it's and great. miserable. I mean, come on to the dancer. It's this there's so many good things. Hmm. What's another good watch? Oh, Grace Kelly talking about the the ballet dancer that has like obviously the older men um kind of around that one night. And Grace Kelly goes, I'd say she's doing a woman's hardest job, juggling wolves. Juggling wolves. Yeah. Yeah, that was beautiful. Come on. I I do love like they're also like I, I had this thought it was like they call him the master of suspense i'm like he's also the master of irony because the when the the dog they find the dog in the courtyard the silence and of the, the lamb's dog and then and, and the woman is having like a meltdown on the balcony and she's screaming about neighbors are supposed to care about each other and talk to each other and she's screaming it yeah. from directly above the murder apartment yeah yeah it's like, it's like there's a blacked out apartment where someone's possibly been murdered right underneath her and the one time yeah. that everybody all looks in at the same time. Yeah. And how about, and I know, I know, I think people went in, this might not even be worth talking about, but say it anyway. You go see a Hitchcock movie and you think you're going to see these suspense moments. Obviously super effective seeing burning embers in his dark apartment. There yep. were moments like that where yeah. you're going to feel it. But when he comes to his apartment, uh, uh, the oops. ring, the silent end of the line, hang up. And James realized, oh shit! The James deciding to pull back and into the darkness. And when Thurgood Thurwall makes his way into his apartment, turns out the light in the hallway. When he finally enters, I mean, you feel it, dude. The suspense mm. is fucking there. Yeah. From, that, from that, from that look, suspense. It's from the look. For sure. Straight away, out of that suspense came this like kind of desperate tone from Thurwall where he's like what do you want he's just standing there yeah before he decides to go over there I guess I'm gonna have to kill you but he before that he really is just like what do you want from me I don't have any money like what, what why are you messing with me hmm. I can't give you anything yeah and his answer uh, in the way that Dave come at me the way they filmed like the language shifted completely when he started fighting with him these crazy like Dutch subjective, like moving shots yeah. to try to get him on the bed, on the side of the bed, out the window. Like I, it, it the, was so the, effective. Okay. Like, that's, the, that is my one little gripe with this film. It's just, fall. 
No, the amount of sped up footage that's just quickly edited. Yeah, into there was the a couple. Of, yeah, no, it's it's yeah. True. Yeah. Was that part of it? You, you didn't like the fight scene? Um, no, I like the fight scene, but like suddenly someone's running at high speed out yeah. a door and someone's running at high speed past a window. And it, it, it looked like it old silent movies. It was like obviously da, da, very da, da, sped da, 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 up. And it just, it took me, it pulled me right out of the moment. I was like, yeah. you, could, you didn't need that. Mm. This, it was weird how sped up that footage was. Mm. They, they I mean, were, you may have been trying something to miss. I don't know. So but. fast. <laughs> Which footage are you talking about? The fight scene? No, it's like, no, no it's, it's like the right other after. people. Like yeah, the some other people the running Some of the other people the running. Apartment. The footage was sped up. The Like the cops where they're coming across the courtyard? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah and then other people of out of their there's apartments couple of them in there. Stuff, Unless my internet was screwy and it was just doing what your Zoom does. No, no, no. 100%. Yeah, it yeah. was it was when he started yeah. chat when the, his the detective friend was on the other side. Everybody yeah. running, people people ran out of like the first floor into like that patio kind of area, and everybody was running okay. very was, strange. Like literally one floor, that's it. That was and it it drew me out for a second. And then we got back into the action, but <laughs> it really stands out in a masterpiece. Though it <laughs> does, I'm afraid. But it's the yeah. only floor. <laughs> no, that's funny. Um, I love the but yeah, I mean, yeah. coming full circle. Do you guys agree that like? Not that the others are not fucking brilliant, but most of his movies are plot, you know, and the mm. way he manipulates plot to create suspense is what you go and buy a Hitchcock ticket for is what is why you press play on for a rewatch or something. And this one is is the opposite of that for me. There's still most I think of there's the still movie suspense. is this guy just discussing his ideas with people in his apartment. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of they talking. Locked, it's locked, a lot of dialogue. Yeah, it's a lot of them it. just like this should have been boring as shit. It's not. It should have been. It's not. How about how about what we have trouble getting away with nowadays? The, the all the dissolves to black for passages of time frustrate you at all, or did did it work? Didn't even notice. It's just them. something that we've kind of lost with language. Did, you know? I did not I even say, notice them. I would say I noticed them, but it didn't bother me. There are a lot of swipes. Yeah. a lot of like fade outs. Yeah, felt, a lot of fades because we had to me. pass time because yeah. you're stuck with him. So we had yeah. to like pass his time. You know, we couldn't like go to a. Another well, world time or another a good job. story. And Angela loves the one week time limit that they give, which is just, you know, who knows if they even really needed it, but it's good. And then obviously the apartment at the end of the month, always going to leave. Well, that, I mean, that makes little, that last, it makes that last shot funny because he's so close to getting out of it. That's true. That's it gives, true. It's just a little in joke. They set up at the beginning of the film and it pays off at the end. He loves that. He loves that ending with, I think this is probably the most effective of his, like, is it, wasn't that fun kind of ending? Yeah. He does that sometimes. And it's like, oh, come on. It was so much, it was so like, serious up until then. Yeah. They could have done some this, more with this the, one. They, I was waiting for it. They could have done, I mean, he did a good job with the elements. So like you see the, the itch, like I, I got itchy thinking about him trying to itch under his cast. Yeah. Um, and then with the other people, the rain, we, you know, you definitely like, it was very lived in as an audience member. I do think I, he could have done more with the heat. I think like we got the idea that it was hot, but not, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, um, um, do the right thing, you know, where you like every yeah, single yeah. person was sweating. Like I could have used even more heat because the windows were fucking wide. I mean, where are those goddamn mosquitoes? Where are they? Where are those mosquitoes? I mean, I was just happy when he, when he, back then, I, was, dude. I, was just, I was just happy when he, <laughs> yeah, when he fell that he didn't throw over and off, run up and jump, throw himself out the window a second time. Oh, come on. <laughs> can we talk about, Tenet. can we talk about Grace Kelly? in a dress and heels with the shovel climbing up up that wooden like gate or the the, the brick gate going over yeah, the she... metal fence climbing up the fire escape breaking into an apartment i'm like lisa went rogue shit yeah <laughs> backwards in high heels you know at least they just acknowledge too like how <laughs> like striking she is when his like I mean, detective God. friend meets her and he's like he just can't even talk. Yeah. <laughs> when he takes the drink from her. What are they? Oh, when they, when they, when they the were talking about the bail. Characters, that guy. When they were talking about bail, they're like, oh, I only have a hundred. How much is going to be? 250? And it's like, don't worry. I think once the cops get an eye on her, they'll help bail her out. <laughs> it's like, they're like, they'll cover the rest. <laughs> I love that he knew how much each crime was like bail for. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well. for sure. Like, what, also, what 250 is your past, back so. then. That's a lot. <laughs> oh, what's bail going to be? Ah, 250. 250. Yeah. I feel like two fifty is a good amount for like now. Was, uh, do you? I know. Could you imagine what that would be now? Do you feel like? Um, I thought another interesting thing was just we've, we've kind of already said it, but the the B story, whether or not you're saying it's A or B, they all happen in the same place. Hmm. I thought that was really interesting. Like you know, obviously we, we did not cut away to anything that was happening outside of his apartment, or outside, rather outside of his view. 
So whether that was in the apartment or what he could see, but there were multiple stories happening. It was, you know, that love story and, and the murder. And I just thought that was, hmm. God, I just thought I, that was so effective. I think a lot of times with single location films, it's just a single A story, but they, this was this was really creative. Not to mention the, not to mention the individual things. threads going in the windows behind you while the scenes are happening, as well. Guys, here's yeah, yes, Dave. Whose apartment did you want to go hang out in? Did you want to go have dinner with anybody? I kind of wanted to hang with the musicians. Anybody, smoke a yeah, definitely, somebody, definitely musicians. With, I want to go to that party. With that the musicians, musicians party that yeah. looked fantastic when they were singing Mona Lisa. Everybody was having a good time. It's funny. I did mean, you uh, maybe miss New York, you guys? I'm not gonna lie. This, this movie—we <laughs> watch movies all the time. A lot of them are set in the big cities. This one really made me miss New York City. Let's just quickly talk about the, the that actual courtyard for a second, because like they built that whole thing, like that was know, all constructed, including the street it. behind crazy. it. Like they, but they had to pull the floor out of the studio to be able to accommodate it. So they pulled the yeah. floor oh, out. God Almighty! Um, his his apartment is actually the ground floor. That was that was ground level. The, what? All the stuff below it was was the unused basement of the studio that they pulled the floor out and built down, and then nice. in the in the rig above, because they didn't have Ari Sky panels and all the shit we've got these days, they there did was it? like there was about a thousand lights, so that they could literally change time of day in about forty five minutes by just by doing a quick like refocus and stuff like that. But apparently at one point the the lights tripped the breaker. And blacked out the whole studio and set off the, the heat was so much that it actually set off the uh, sprinklers. No. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine how hot? Oh, it was ridiculously hot. Was. Like some <laughs> some of the cast are like it was it they like they weren't acting. It was hot as fuck in there. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I could use even more of that. I could use more sweating. Hmm. Now yep. we haven't talked about him specifically, but I think Jimmy Stewart is you know one of the greatest of all time. I. I loved him in this. I love him so much in this. He's, yeah. he's charming. You believe things as small as my luggage is, and I can't, you know, little tiny things mm-hmm. like that, which are important. You believe the way he did not, <laughs> the way he did not over dramatize the entire suspicion of the murder. Like every time he would be talking, he would have the same conversation with multiple characters. And it always just felt like, like he was just talking to them about it. It never felt like he was going crazy. This could have easily been a movie about obsession. And yeah. It didn't really turn into that. It no. was, it, it is because of him. I don't know. I'm sure Hitchcock and him talked about it, but I don't know. I just believe not really every Hitchcock, line out of his mouth. Hitchcock notoriously doesn't talk to his actors. That's true. Yeah, appara- I've, yeah, appara- I've, apparently, I've, apparently, I've if he, I've often wondered though if yeah, apparently if he doesn't like the scene, he he gets a look on his face like he's going to throw up. And I'm or, sure that's true, but I often wondered if like he he doesn't direct actors ever, but mm. I often wonder if he like chit chats with them before, which is you know yeah. common, so that he doesn't right. have to talk to them at all. Well, apparently he, fam- I just he famously thought, I just said one of the one of the notes he got was the scene is tired. Like that the was scene is yeah, tired? that was the note. Yeah, the scene is tired. That's a good note. I could yeah, I know good. what to do with that. I feel like that's uh, I feel like Jimmy was like, oh, I got you. Let's yeah. do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking fantastic, though. I just right, thought, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was great. I love this movie. I'm glad we watched it. I Same. think it's, there are some other crazy good movies like Seven Samurai and uh, La Ventura. There's some crazy oh. other like iconic best of movies of this year. But I'm glad we picked this one. I hope everybody goes to rewatch it or watches it for the first time. This is a masterpiece. Yeah, sure. you sh- this is definitely one you should you should watch. And also... Yeah, everybody gets it. <laughs> get your subs- get your uh, Criterion subs up, guys. Or just rent it. Give them some money. Or get, this well, one deserves it. Give, give the Criterion give some that. money. Paramount does need some help. <laughs> like Is it on yeah, Param- it's not on Paramount they'll... Plus though. No, yeah, but if they if they no, not, if they give them money, maybe they will be able to afford fucking HD for all of us. Hmm. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right, friends. Well, that has been another amazing segment in our random year generator from 1954. So next week, we're going to have a new year. So this is how it's going to work. We're going to spin the wheel now, do our What You've Been Watching, and then at the very end of this episode, we're going to come back and tell you what we're going to be doing next week. We hope you long watch along with us. So Dave, why don't we spin before we get into What You've Been Watching? Let's go. Spin in that wheel. Come. All right. It's in the 1900s. 1970s. Oh. 1970. Wow, that's gonna be Whoa. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> one nine seven. Have we ever zero. been there? 
I don't I was just thinking I, that. Did I've we ever do there. that last time? I don't think so. I don't think we've done it. I'm excited. All yeah. right. So again, we're not going to sit here and just Wikipedia this. We're going to uh, Google search this. We are going to do yeah, what you've been exactly. watching. We're going to take a quick pause and come back and let you know at the very end what we're going to be doing next you, next week. Dave, what are you well, watching? One, anything? Did you get anything this week? The one thing, yeah, the one thing I made time to watch, um, I looked up a lot of stuff that was influenced by The Rear Window. And I actually watched a film oh, cool. called The Watcher. And it basically, uh, it's a, an actress, an American actress and oh. her Romanian boyfriend. They moved to Romania to, um, and this is American film or is this uh, no, I think, international? I think it's international film. Um, but basically okay. she doesn't speak the language. Um, and there's a serial killer running around killing women in the city. And there's a guy watching her from the apartment across the street, like just standing there looking through the window. And that's basically the whole premise. Like, but they they set up her. It's it's very much like like the same premise as the rear window, except that her like boundary is the language, because she can't effectively tell people what's Ooh. going on uh. and stuff. And there's some really good tension builds in it. I'm not sure I bought the ending 100, percent but it's still pretty fucking good. Like it it's it takes rear window and plays with the themes a lot. Uh, it's called the Watcher. Wow, nice dude. That's Watcher. a good one. Mm. Okay, no never shit. heard of that. No shit. I hadn't heard of it either. I found I found it on a whim and sat there and watched it. And yeah, creepy right. as fuck. Some sequences. No shit. Sweet, John. I I did not watch anything this week. I was directing all week and did didn't you have fi- time to do shit. Did you finish your project? We did, man. Nice. We Ooh. wrapped. It was crazy. It's gigantic. And then I had some screenings the past couple of nights. Uh, anyway, so I didn't get to watch anything other than just trying to get. What about these the, the nightmares of stress dreams? <laughs> you watched, you watched a lot of dailies. <laughs> dailies and fucking anxiety dreams. So yeah, yeah what'd you watch? Um, well, watch Saltburn, and I'm going to finish May December very soon. It's pretty fun. It, it's, it really feels like a soap opera on purpose. This is Todd like Haynes. Like a melodrama, like a, a yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, with of course Natalie Portman playing Julia Julianne Moore's character in a movie. Natalie Portman's like a famous right. movie star, uh, and Julianne Moore's character. Um, married and had a child with a seventh grade student. She went to jail, served her time, came out, and then they raised their kid together. So Natalie Portman's paying her and is staying with them for like the week to try to like get to know her a little bit before she plays her. Um, So that's really fun. And I also, I was like, I was going to watch a new movie because of all of this. (laughs) And all of a sudden on Netflix, it was like leaving Netflix soon. And it had Wind River, which is a Ty Sheridan movie that I'd never seen. And I was like, you know what? I don't know why something is pulling me towards this movie. So I just push play. And I really like it? enjoyed it. it is so, I like that movie so much. Yeah, nobody so, liked that. I feel like it is so my kind of movie. It's so my kind yes. of movie. Why don't people like it? I don't know. Murder mystery, character, s- slow but entertaining. I, I don't know. I don't get it. I loved it. Jeremy Renner, of course. That's why um, I don't like it. I love Jeremy Renner. Love Jeremy Everybody loves Jeremy now. And Wind River is a, a Native American reservation in Montana. <laughs> yeah. And this is Tyler Sheridan, who very famously did Yellowstone and all the spinoffs and owns his own ranch. So in Montana. Actually, wait, sorry, Wind River might not be in Montana. It might be in a different state. Sorry. But anyway, it's very cold and the body happens in the freezing cold and the FBI like, can barely get there. And there's a winter storm coming on this you know, Native American reservation. It's amazing. And it's leaving Netflix soon. So give it a watch. It's fucking great. I loved it. Nice. All right. Oh, yeah. Let's take a quick time out, my friends. And then we will give the people our year for our movie for next year. Fuck, our movie for next week. We, the drinks are real. See you in a second, film fans. <laughs> and we're back. We are back. And we have Back decided much. on a film from the year 1970 to highlight next year. And I bet you it's not one anybody at home was guessing. Is it Patton? Is it Love Story? Is it MASH? Is it Five Easy Pieces? Nope. We are going... None of those things. We are going to Europe, people. John, what are we watching? We are watching Bernardo Bertolucci's The Conformist. They mentioned Bertolucci in the song La Vie Bohème in the movie Rent. Oh, the musical Rent. In Rent. <laughs> you fucking nerd. It's basically their yeah, version of did, We Didn't yeah. Start the Fire, but for musicals. 
and Bertolucci's none of us have seen this so we're really excited film fans if you want to watch the movies from the 70s and this bitch you should watch it because it's going to be fresh takes I'm really excited I don't think that's ever happened on our show other than the new movies, hmm. I don't think we've ever done anything that's like from the past. And at least we, one of us yeah, has seen cold. it. Maybe, maybe who's afraid of Baby Jane or what's the matter with Baby Jane? Maybe like movies like that, The Orphans. <laughs> yeah, there's the world a couple. Is Baby Jane. There are a couple. <laughs> yeah. Did I tell you guys? Fucking that I Baby Jane. I found out recently. Did I tell you I found out recently that a house around the corner from me is the exterior of their exterior of their house? What in the movie? I had not didn't realize it until I was like, oh my god, yeah, that totally is it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yes, did not know that. Sweet baby Chandler. I'm <laughs> trying to look up if Bertolucci <laughs> Nasser is in the song We Didn't Start the Fire. Fucking um, Nasser again. Just fucking go to Nasser, Mars, but that's the 50s. He goes in order. So Ben Hur is in the 60s. Does he do the 70s too? 70s here. British Beatlemania. No, that's the 60s. Ah, uh, does he get to here it is? Uh, no Bertolucci. Bertolucci does not make it until we didn't start the fire. Fuck, I really thought he did. If anyone wants to watch, it's available to rent on Apple and iTunes and Amazon Prime and all that shit, but it is also available on Canopy. Whatever the fuck has that, that is. Lesser known app. It's kind of like, kind of like Criterion. All right. Like choice movies. All right. Like, Another good episode, my friends. Thank you so much, film fans. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for drinking along with us. And we will see you next week. We talk about 1970 and the conformist. Yeah, you got it right. <laughs>